tonight we're going to look at four ways of becoming peacemakers, um, both internationally, but also what that means in our everyday lives. Uh, Ruth and I are going to tag team, um, so she's going to start, um, and I'm going to walk over here. so the first way that we want to look at how can we be peacemakers is by praying for international conflicts Um, some years ago Gareth and I visited the United Nations HQ in New York and I took a photo of the quote that's inscribed into the stone outside It's like the manifesto of the UN, if you like. It's vision statement. And it says this. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. It's actually a quote from Isaiah, chapter 2, verse 4. And it reminds us that peace is God's great design for the world. But how far short we have fallen. The 20th century was the most brutal in all recorded history, with more people being killed by wars in these 100 years than in any other, an estimated 187 million people. It was a century that the historian Eric Hobsbawm describes as a century of almost unbroken war, with few and brief periods without armed conflict somewhere. And today, Save the Children estimate that every sixth child in the world is living in a conflict zone. So tonight, we're going to pause in our talk just to pray. Um, It's what the Anglicans amongst us would call intercessory prayer. Um, It's basically just calling on God for a situation, for a place, for a people. Um, And we've set up four stations, one for Syria, which is just here. One for Yemen, which you'll find at the back on the big board. One for South Sudan. And the fourth one, which is at the altar, is for all of the rest of the world. Um, There might be other conflict zones that are close to your heart, or you might just want to pray for the globe more generally. Um, At each of the first three stations, you'll find some fact sheets about the places, the countries. Um, and at the last one, you'll find copies of the, of the Global Peace Index for 2019, which ranks the world's countries in terms of peacefulness. Why are we doing this? The thing is, sometimes we turn our minds away from the areas of the most brutal conflict in the world, simply because we have no idea how we could possibly help. The scale of the conflict seems completely overwhelming, and we're liable to despair, so we protect ourselves by shutting off. Also, we don't get the full picture from the media. It's skewed to deliver us the impact of tragedies closer to home. And it's designed to avoid us feeling what it's called fatigued by the reporting of foreign wars and traumas. Put simply, whether we do it ourselves or whether it's done by the media reportage, we often blank out the worst of what is out there. Tonight, briefly, as peacemakers, as children of God, We need to open our eyes. The single simplest way to be a peacemaker is to pray. Sometimes that feels like a drop in the ocean. But then, as Mother Teresa once pointed out to someone who told her that her work was irrelevant because it was a drop in the ocean, well, the ocean is made up of drops. 
And as Christians, we have this opportunity to join our small prayer and swell it with hundreds and thousands of other prayers from around the world. Lifting a part of the world that might feel forgotten to the throne room of the Most High. That's worth getting on our knees for. It's standing beside the weakest and most vulnerable of our brothers and sisters in the world in prayer. It's banging on the doors of heaven. And it's aligning the call of our hearts to the call of the fathers. If we tonight care even a tiny bit, it's only because he first cared. We get closer to the father's heart when we pray like he desires. Honestly, urgently, frantically, in fumbling, flawed, broken prayers that beg for his kingdom in a broken world. Okay, but I pray that you will kind of keep those kind of statistics and figures and numbers in your head and take those prayers with you and continue praying for the world. Um, Because when we looked at planning this talk, um, we felt it really important to, to pray for peace on a worldwide scale because we live in such a such a turbulent world that we could not do a talk on being peacekeepers without praying internationally. Um, that said, however, we also know that when kind of Jesus taught the Beatitudes on the hillside, he knew that his disciples, which were the ones that were the, there, um, wouldn't be going out to be international peacekeepers. Um, so now we're going to look at what we think Jesus meant um, about being peacemakers in our everyday lives and really what that means to us practically. The second way that I want to look at us being peacemakers is there, uh, by looking out and listening in. Now, we all encounter conflict at some point in our lives, um, whatever walk of life we are in. It could be a long-lasting family feud. Uh, it could be a brief, unpleasant encounter. And that conflict can be hurtful. It can be painful. It can be bitter. And often it's easier to ignore it and not deal with it or, or to blame the other party for being in the wrong. In these circumstances, it is only by looking out beyond self and engaging with the views of others that we can start to bring about peace. We need to put ourselves in the place of those that have hurt us and view the world through their eyes to try and understand their feelings, their motivations, perhaps their backstories, their history and where they're coming from. Very often conflict arises not from one particular incident or an event, but from a combination of feelings and thoughts and actions that build up over time and, and somehow we really hold on to those tight inside. These little things can lead to a loss in trust, in a loss of patience, and we begin to look for faults in the other person, and that just adds fuel to the fire that's within us. Now, I'm not saying this is easy, but to be real peacemakers, it is that early erosion that, um, that we need to identify and that we need to be brave enough to tackle. Being honest and open with each other and ensuring that both sides are heard and understood. We also need to accept that both sides of an argument 
might first need to seek forgiveness before a situation is rectified, including ourselves. It's worth remembering that others might be feeling exactly the same way about our views and our actions and our behaviours. And identifying where we are perhaps in the wrong is the best first step that we can take. Now, sometimes peace is made by agreeing to disagree. We don't have to simply roll over and accept another viewpoint if it is at odds with our values. To listen to another's views is not to agree with them. It's not to accept them. And we mustn't be afraid to do that. It's okay not to agree with somebody. It's not okay not to love them. We're called by Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker, to love our enemies. And that tells us two things. One, that we will have enemies. But two, we need to learn to love them. And I apologize. That's ours. Okay. Uh, third way that we can be peacemakers is by keeping going. Um, peacemaking is not glamorous work. It is often deeply frustrating and endlessly exhausting. Of course it would be easier to turn away, to retreat inwards and not bother anymore. Anyone who has been in the middle of a family conflict or stuck between warring parties in the tutor room or uni corridor or workplace will know that peacemaking is not speedy, saintly work. It isn't a case of staging one intervention and watching everyone go away holding hands and smiling. It ain't a Disney film. Take that family rift. It takes years and years of tact and diplomacy and listening and gentle persuading, and then you make a little progress and things are getting a bit better, and then someone has one glass too much of Chardonnay over Christmas dinner and looks funny at somebody else, and you feel like you're right back at square one. And you begin all over again. Let's say there's a moment of great reconciliation and breakthrough, and that feels fantastic. But then a little while after that, things begin to slip again. Jesus was once asked, how many times do I forgive? Seven times? And he replies, 70 times seven. Because Jesus gets it. Jesus knows that conflict in our lives, particularly in relationships, is hard and twisty and difficult and is an endless process of reconciliation, forgiveness, letting go, not picking up that frustration again, Really, really letting go. Really, really, really letting go of that hurt and keeping on. And so let's be realistic about the low points of peacemaking. And when it hurts like hell, remember this. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. And it's in his power and strength that you can keep on going when otherwise you would give up. Because the ruler of the whole world gave up heaven to come to earth as a baby, as a man, to die for you, to make peace between you and God. 
If anyone gets the fact that peacemaking is dying to self, it's Jesus. If he can embody it, he can help you through it. So trust it to him. point that I want to look at is by fighting for peace. It's really important um, to acknowledge, and and I'd like to stress a point made earlier, um, that being a peacemaker is not simply about rolling over and, and saying, okay, okay, that's fine, and accepting another person's views. Keeping quiet is not the same as keeping peace. We are called to love our neighbor, to feed the poor, to give a voice to the voiceless. We are called to identify injustice, to call it out and to fight against it. Being a peacemaker does not mean that we do not stand up for what we believe in. There simply cannot be peace if injustice reigns. It is also okay to get angry about what God is angry about, about suffering, about prejudice, about discrimination or inequality. God calls us to take action against these things and be proactive in ending them. But fighting fire with fire usually just leaves more people burning. The Civil Rights March on Washington and Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech Rosa Parks' quiet refusal to get up from her seat. The unknown rebel in Tiananmen Square facing down the tank. All of these actions changed the course of history, but they used peace as their weapon. More recently, Greta Thunberg um, has helped begin global action in the fight against climate change by simply and very quietly boycotting school and sitting peacefully until somebody took notice. Anger fueled all of these actions, but knowing how to channel that anger peacefully can have profound and lasting consequences. I recently heard that to find your purpose in life, you first need to listen closely to God and ask him to reveal your personal holy discontent. What is it that God is making you angry about? Next, take that discontent and do something about it. Being a peacemaker does not always mean being quiet and accepting. It's about fighting to bring God's peace into his world. 